Okay, this is podcast 37, I think, and I'm going to try quick introductions. Um, we have Susan Conover. We have our Hi. special guest, Brandale Randall, and uh, the unfortunate Mark Thurman. Um, I'm by phone, and I'm Dave Pausner. Um, what the hell are we I'm, talking about? I'm a six-foot old guy, just for the record. <laughs> you yes. Are, yes. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Susan? Uh, failure, I believe, is <laughs> a the... new topic. <laughs> we have not talked we about failure. We keep meaning to get to it. <laughs> yeah. you know? That's your last one, the uh, last 36, which is still, uh, what's the expression, in the can, or is it opposite of in the can? It's not yet done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had no failure. Oh, yeah. But I thought, by, by the time people hear this, it will be up online, because we will do them in order, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but I figured the failure was ours and not finding a failure. <laughs> or the failure was he fixes failures. You know this guy. Yes. Yeah. Or yeah. can't admit to failure. <laughs> well, <laughs> because because there are those too. You know. That's the Susan issue. <laughs> she will not admit that failures exist. She simply designs around them. I mean, she plans. Ahead. I think it's just every all startups are tiny, tiny failures. Like every day, you have like at least five, right? And then, um, it's but, the Denzel Washington yeah. principle of. Uh, Failing forward, <laughs> you have to fail forward or else you fall out. You know, but yeah. hey, it's a so, controversial opinion. I get, yes. it. I get it. So, Mark, <laughs> it turns out that you 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 didn't hear this podcast, Susan. At least I hope you didn't, because that would suggest you actually listen to these. But um, the old ones, I do, I do, I do. But we had Randall Wright. Remember him? And it turns yep. out Brandale um, thinks the same way about. Um, Businesses being conversations, startups, probably all businesses, but startups being conversations between the entrepreneur and the marketplace. So he's the number two person we've run into. So launch into it. Oh, so, so, (laughs) all right. So so basically, um, first of all, my wife's a professor at Babson, so some of these ideas are hers. So we, we have these deep discussions sometimes about failure and all these other things. But I believe that sometimes when you are underfunded, it teaches you to look at failure differently than some of the overfunded companies. Because what it is is not just about a company selling a product to a market or introducing a product to the market, is there's this line of all the research you can do will tell you that this product is gonna work in this market, but it does not tell you if these market is gonna buy that product from you. Correct. And how you respond to that is very different. Because let's say you're a multi-billion dollar company you can keep pushing this product through subliminal advertising and, and marketing and everything else and placement. However, if you are a startup and this is your prototype and you put all your eggs in the basket of this prototype in terms of R&D, that rejection from the market is very different for you. So, uh, so I wouldn't disagree with you at all. It's just I, I, what I had, what I had liked, um, mm-hmm. and I want to make sure the uh, one or two people who actually listen to this podcast <laughs> here, um, if they haven't heard the other one, was your you took the you took the second step, which is y- implicit in your comments is yes. it is a conversation. It is a conversation. And the question is how long. And what you're going to when you talk about money yes. is how long the conversation can be sustained by the otherwise potentially deaf, uh, if you will, yes. uh, entrepreneur. Yes, because a deaf entrepreneur hears a no, but doesn't ask why there's a no. Right, because they, because they the charge ego forward. Doesn't, they charge forward. The ego doesn't allow them to make adjustments on, you know, on, the, on, you know, on the critical. Did they say no to my product because of something that is inherent, that is reflective of the entire marketplace or the entire industry? Right. Or is it because my product has an inherent flaw that I didn't see? 
but because of my ego, I don't see any flaws in anything that I do or anything that I create. Therefore, I'm going to ask the next person if they, why they say no. And then I'll ask the next market why they say no. But I'll just keep pushing the product along instead of making if you have the if you, if you have the capital it. if you have the if you don't have the capital it. if you don't have the capital you got to take every no seriously and right you gotta, and you redesign and redesign and then analyze what is about it ask questions of the marketplace Susan you're on the spot what's the Zune what's the Zune the Zune came from Microsoft it was a 300 oh. um, digital just take I think my my point uh, <laughs> like the fact that I didn't know what it was until you guys reminded me it was a famous failure <laughs> it was well I didn't remember it either I could think it was Zoom the idea is why was the Zune a failure and the iPod was not why was the well so what's the answer so yeah why was it why was the Sony um, digital player and what because people really did not know how to use it well, wait a minute. So, so go, Mark, do you remember this damn thing? Yeah. 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 It was an ugly iPod. Yeah, it was a very ugly iPod, and it, it oh. had more more uh, storage capacity than the iPod. So why did it fail? And why weren't and they able to? Why were they not able to make use of infinite capital to? Because they didn't. They didn't have the other piece really sorted, which was the iTunes piece. You mean the the music library or the way the, to the way to right. put put the, the an easy way to put the music on the on the thing. So right. remind me. So first there was the Sony Walkman and its its uh, yeah. either progeny or uh, ancestors, whatever, which were essentially there was no library. You had your own music, didn't yes. you? Yeah, you, you had you your own music, and then there was the Discman that they did that you yeah. bought the actual album, the whole album, right? On this little storage device, they put it into a Sony Player too, because I had one of those as well. What was that called? <laughs> that was also that was that was also a Walkman. It was like a digital Walkman or oh, something. Okay, but you were buying the whole. I had one of those. It looked like a pencil. Exactly. Like a, or a, a little mini cigar. I probably still have it in a drawer somewhere. And and, and what iTunes did was allow people to buy song by song. So you're jumping ahead. So you're jumping ahead. So, so first we had the the, the Walkman series, the Walkman where, the, series where, yeah. where there were essentially it was a player and you add the music. Yes. So then when the Zune came out, did it not did the it Zune, not take um, an MP3? Do you remember? No, you had to plug it into a computer. I remember. Oh. And, oh, so it wasn't and download really... all your all your songs to the computer and then put the songs from your computer. So you had onto, to burn your own songs. You had to burn your own songs into the. Was that doable back then? Well, if you stole them from Napster. <laughs> and oh. LimeWire and those kind of things. Okay. okay. You know, and, and that was actually one of the issues is that it was the wild, wild west on the uh, media acquisition front. In other words, you had, you know, the Napster stuff and people ripped their things and people, you know, put them, would uh, record crap off uh, CDs and, and try and share them. I mean, it was just a disaster. Okay, so the Zune comes the, the out. Format was hard. So why didn't Microsoft, with infinite money, just keep up? Why did they not persevere? Who pulled the plug? Do you guys know? Brandell well, is doing Microsoft, research. Microsoft pulled the plug. Yeah, Microsoft uh, pulled the plug, but I, I I don't know why. But I I know that it was just really. But I think it was probably some IP issues with who owned the songs that were now being digitized because I, I remember the LimeWire thing catching right. Sony and, right. and all these other people off guard the Napster thing catching all of them off guard as well so then Apple came out a bit I assume how much later after the Zune was the I, iPhone I, I, iPod. iPod iPod I don't know but it was it was really during those days it was all three on the market at one time oh really oh, okay so, okay is okay. that I think the, there was a bunch of others too yeah there was some others too SanDisk oh. I remember had their own too as well oh really SanDisk yeah. I don't remember that yeah they had their own as well but it's like um, this idea of how do you take these things from the market that you're hearing 
or is it more like a Samsung situation with with the uh, with cell phones? Whereas you look at what else is out there and where the gaps are. It's kind of like that kid on the end of the bench. Um, Which um, is this, what is this a reference to a movie? No, no. Oh, well, there's this, there's this poem that um, one of my first because uh, I come from the trading industry. That's where I was before oh, really? I did all this. I had a series three and a series trading seven. Trading as in Wall Street trading? As in Wall Street, I was a commodities broker and in a stock broker. <laughs> I worked in a hedge fund. Got flushed out in 2009, but that's another lifetime ago. But, <laughs> and, and what well, it was is that... Mark's always been a watch. It, it, was, it was a poem that this guy said, um, hey, you're the kid on the end of the bench. And so you can choose to do one or two things. You can either watch the game and look for lapses, or you can complete, keep, keep telling yourself that you belong in the game. And, can, and keep your ego in this. And, but what you do when you get your opportunity determines if you're going to get back on the bench, if you're going to play, or if yeah. you're going to end up in the stands as a spectator. Agreed. Okay. So, so, so it's so. kind of like how your, your own ego and your yes. perspective on things. Yes. And so what happened was that there are people who had cell phones, and they looked at it, we can do it better. And they got on the market and they got crushed. But then there are people who are like, okay, let's find out what's right and what's wrong about the cell phone market, which is what Samsung did. They took that approach. Yep. But the Motorola's and all these other people came out when Apple had their, their, their screen. They got rid of the button. No, no one's going to do a touch screen. No one's going to do this. No one's going to do this. And they did. So how much does, um, how much, as you think about this, mm -hmm. it's easy to, if, you, if one yes. were to say that the introduction of a product is effectively a conversation. Yes. Um, where the dialogue amounts to no no purchase decisions on the consumer's part mm -hmm. and pivot decisions on the manufacturer's part. Yes. If that's the conversation, that suggests to the average listener that you, the, the entrepreneur or manufacturer, have the possibility of, of altering the conversation and making it succeed. But a lot of companies simply fail anyway. In other words, the the conversation metaphor doesn't work because there's too many other variables. Exactly, and I not you know what, and I think I need to go into a personal story here. That's good about what so happened wait, with 1854. Right now, what do you do? Oh, that's right. Oh, so so basically, uh, let me let me talk, talk about uh, my company, the 1854 Cycling Company. We are um, established for profit, but we established why 1854. Um, in 1854, in Framingham, Massachusetts, was the first. Oh. Anti-slavery rally. Mark's near Framingham, also, by the way. Oh, Mark's also. Wayland. You're in Wayland. My wife's from Framingham. Uh, right. You know, my, my my son goes to the pool there in Wayland and swims oh, yeah, every yeah. single day. Yep, I know that. All is. right, he's, that he's on the swim team over there in Wayland. I know. Oh, Keep is he? Yes, yeah, he is. Kids in high school there. Oh, nice. He's probably one of one of the coaches. It's kind of it's amazing, but uh, wow. basically, basically in Framingham was well. Actually, let me take you back. In 1854, we was the first time that we had the third worst president we've ever had. Oh, who and was what it? He, what, I think it was Franklin Pierce. And what Franklin Pierce did was... Worse he, than Trump? Uh, well, he's third or worse. So. Third. Oh, yes. we're not doing politics. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. We're not doing politics. We're not. Okay. But, but basically sorry. what he did was he brought back the Fugitive Slave Act, which meant that uh -huh. African Africans who had been enslaved, who had been free and living in free states like Massachusetts, yeah. Yeah. can be arrested on the streets and brought back and taken to slavery. Wow. Even though Massachusetts had outlawed slavery or abolished slavery in, eight, in 1856. And this was 1854. In 1854. So we're well through the Civil so War. We're all, no, no, we haven't gotten to the Civil War yet. We haven't gotten to the Civil War yet. Sorry, this was like a precursor. This is like a precursor. But What's let me... The, okay, keep going. So what happened was that um, in May of that year, there's a, there a young man named Anthony Burns who was, who was found on the streets of Mattapan, and he was, uh, he was tried wow. and arrested here in Boston. Wow. And people black and white yeah. were way upset because he was put on trial and ah. he was taken to a ship 
and yeah. taken back to slavery in Virginia. You're right. Down. Yep. And so what happened with that was that um, Sojourner Truth, Henry David Thoreau, and a gentleman named William Lloyd Garrison got together in Framingham on 4th of July. Garrison sounds like a familiar name, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he had a newspaper, anti-slavery yep. newspaper, yep. Yep. you know, called the North Story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. It, yep. it was amazing. Yep. 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 And, so, and so what he did was um, he wanted to talk about the hypocrisy of celebrating Independence Day while blacks who had escaped yeah. from slavery and created lives yeah, yeah, here, in, here, here in Boston were anything but, were anything anything but, but free. And they were, they yeah. were in terror because right. at any yeah. time someone could come out and accuse them of being a, being yeah. a, a runaway yeah. and they could be dragged back to slavery. So during the slave rally in Framingham, he yeah. burned the U.S. Constitution. Oh. And this was like Colin Kaepernick kneeling of yeah, 1854. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it worse. galvanized, yeah, and yeah. it actually was worse. People yeah, wanted yeah. to actually arrest yeah. And so it's like burning a flag, kneeling exactly. one thing, burning a flag. It was, another. and so that kind of um, galvanized the abolitionist movement. Oh, really? And it started right there in Framingham, and I, instead of me calling it really Framingham Cycling Company, I, I called the 1854 that. Cycling Company as a homage to that. And I do this as an analogy because of I created the company for formerly incarcerated women, because um, this reminds me of Dave's bread. Yes, but it's different than Dave's very bread. much, very much so. It's a great job great for bread, them, by the way. Because my claim to fame is that in 2016, I created an algorithm, yep. and this is part of my TED talk. And um, <laughs> did you do a TED talk? I did a TED talk one? called "Stop Throwing Breakfast Sandwiches at the Poor." And basically, what <laughs> it is is that because we waste a lot of money on the poor because we never ask them what they need. Right, right, right. And so they, we they do don't things need that they don't need. They don't need. I mean, they don't yeah. need. But they have you need, had a breakfast sandwich? No, I'm just kidding. It, it was. It was, just it was, it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, I, it was 30 different um, sets of data. We take these 30 different sets of data and we find pockets of our populations and demographics that are hidden from the poverty rolls. So we look through this and we say. Who is poor that we don't see who's poor, who may be struggling, but we think they're doing okay. And this is uh, data from local hospitals, anywhere uh, you can get it. Local hospitals, anyway, census tract data, right. uh, prison data, so everywhere. And so we combine this yeah. to an algorithm and we, f and we find this out. And uh, in Framingham, it turns out that there's a disproportionate number of women-led households who are living beneath the poverty threshold. And of these women who, who on these women-led households that have children under 18, yeah. another disproportionate number of them have criminal backgrounds. Yeah. And of those women who have criminal backgrounds, 51 percent, um, I'm sorry, the, the median income for the women who have employment is $11,500 per year. This is for a household with women with children. And then you have yeah, those that have good. no income at all. Yeah. So good. I want to create jobs for them. This ah. is where that and so oh, really and so the idea of abolitionists and freedom is like recidivism because the women who get out of prison yep. can still be brought back because poverty ultimately. I mean, this is a detail most people won't appreciate, but where in Framingham is the plant, or where do you? Do it's your downtown work? Framingham, right? Okay, right, not in, near, far, not near far the from Denison the Denison factory. N right, yeah, right, n right near the Denison factory. It's not far from the prison as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So we're we're actually uh, in the last few um, rounds of our capital raise and we're about oh. to buy a building downtown to set up and things like downtown that. Framingham downtown Framingham. Oh, that would be, cool. be amazing so but basically with the, retail with, with retail, retail it's going to be amazing because we're going to also put housing there too really it's going to be an amazing type situation yeah and there's some new there's other there's new buildings going up in Framingham now this, anyway this reminds me aside from the social mission which is great uh, this reminds me a little bit of Shinola out of um, yeah Detroit. Detroit. Yes, I'm I, I very much like Shinola. What pissed me off about Shinola is that they're owned by a fossil and they're using those people in Detroit as a marketing scam. 
I'm not. And was that always true? Because yes. I thought it was started by somebody else initially. It, it, it wasn't. It was it started oh. by this other guy, and they brought they, they still yes. make everything in China, and they bring it over oh, really? there for finishing. But they basically use them as a marketing scam. They hired ah. thirty people to sell millions of watches and bikes and bags and radios. And so stuff. I'm sorry, the stuff is not manufactured. It's not manufactured in Detroit. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's bullshit. I, I have been in the building where they're headquartered. I'm from Detroit originally. Yes. In the uh, it's like in the Max Fisher something building. It's yes. Excuse me. It's in an area that had uh, that uh, guys like me wouldn't normally appear in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the you know, only very tough area, and um, now it's you know kind of a symbol of, of renewal. Yes. Um, but you know, different conversation for a different time. Oh, I'm sorry. So, yeah, so going back, where were we, Susan? Yeah, so, the question because I wanted to ask you what it was because I wanted to get to what we did. So, oh yeah, <laughs> we had this brilliant, we had <laughs> right. this brilliant idea of making these bikes. So the first um, idea was to find a bike that the market wanted. So Ooh, our first bike, yeah. So our first bike we did was because um, I was looking at holes in the market and where the riders are and who wants what kind of bike and. Um, and I saw that there was a gap between the triathlon kind of bikes. I'm going to interrupt you. Go ahead. Because we're, we're now starting to dissect the failure because I, yes. I, we talked before this started. So asking a quick question, why did you want to just go into business and you thought it would be bikes or did you know? Because this is relevant. Some people simply say to themselves, I want to go into business. I don't care it is. Let me find where there's a hole anywhere in business and I'll fill mm-hmm. that or try to. And you seem to start with bikes. Why bikes? Well, uh, because I wanted to create jobs for these women. Yeah, but And you I found that out that bicycle bread. mechanics make 16 bucks an hour. So the first idea was to get them jobs oh. as mechanics. However, no one was really hiring. So, but I thought that we can create a brand of bikes that they can make, and I could hire them to make these bikes. And then, are you a cyclist? No, which is the interesting thing. Data drove me here. Data, data, and the passion for uh, poverty alleviation drove me. How much do auto mechanics make? They must make more than sixteen an hour. They make more than they make more than forty or thirty. However, however, the um, maintenance on a car. Is becoming like the maintenance on the bike. The newer they make oh, them, the less, less maintenance less. you need. Oh, is that true of bikes these days? It's too? true of bikes now too, and oh. we'll get to that, you know, in a moment. Because what it is is that Ooh. people are now throwing their bikes away, really, or putting well. them up rather than having them repaired. Even these high-end triathlon triathletes yeah. who buy who spend four and five thousand dollars on a bike or those kind of things. Oh, they, there's probably a secondary market for those. So, but the yeah. the question you posed, David, is interesting. Like, how how well, did the data how did the data drive you to like bike mechanics are sixteen dollars an hour, so we should be in bikes? Like, it just seemed like <laughs> software engineering or like a variety of different industries can also be paid a high rate. You could probably yeah. train them like pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, so why yeah why so bikes? There. <laughs> so there <laughs> she still says don't get it. it's still more don't get it's more of an accessibility thing. I think. Mm-hmm. You like it's, bikes? It's, 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 um, well, not really. I've come to hate them. Can't stand. I almost died on one. Yeah, but it's this: um, what is an entry level position that will be accepted to you know for them to get into? That is in an industry that may be around for people in the next ten years. Because when we start doing the data and analysis of what's coming versus what's here. I don't believe there will be a lot of programmers and software engineers and people that need coding in the next 10 years because I believe AI will do a lot of this. Mm. I believe that I believe that the industry of mm. transportation mm. will kind of eliminate a lot of things. And there are some things that robotics can't do. And I'm sure Tesla's finding that out the hard yes. way that uh, you need humans. And so 
to grow something, you have to start by what's going to be around the next few years. And with the with the um, but why else is there just a, but, yeah. but as we dissect that point yes. because a lot of people have to when they think about business they have to make those decisions and you yes. decided bikes mm-hmm. and it was based on data but it sounds like the data suggested to you that bike mechanics are what you need and yes. yet you're not a bike this, mechanic factory and this is where you we're going yeah. bike factory yeah and this is where we're going oh because um, what it is is that we didn't want to uh, create, Mark is a big bike rider by the way yeah and, well, and the thing is we didn't want to create bikes and do something with old and refurbished bikes. Because old and refurbished bikes doesn't really get you where you need to go in terms of being able to pay a living wage. Right, as there's well. no money in that. There's no money in that. That dog we won't needed hunt. something. Yeah. That dog won't hunt. We okay. need we right. needed something that's going to generate enough capital to give them a living wage, or else I'm just putting them in poverty okay. under a different cycle. No pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, first wanted to create a bike that gave us enough of a margin Keep for uh, people to uh, buy. So we thought about okay, what markets are being Overlooked because they're not big enough for the big companies in there, you know. And so I found a market of people who buy bikes from European markets and have them imported over here, because the bikes that they that they have over in um, Italy, say. Italy and France and those things for commuters, especially the workers oh, who do it, right? Because that's who I wanted. I wanted to target these. Um, upper middle class guys who ride their bikes to work but like to put them in their office and show off. Ah. But they're not necessarily triathlon bikes. These are these kind of commuter bikes. So the bike that we created was something similar to that. Okay, I it. Got was it. very... Rugged be- yet lightweight? No, actually it was just beautiful. Okay. Because most of these bikes are beautiful. These had leather handles, leather seat, no, leather straps. Shit. Really? Had a leather uh, attached bag that you attach to the frame. Any titanium what? parts? It was steel. Okay. We did so steel because, because what happened was that the aluminum, people don't like aluminum because Why? the streets of Boston and New York and L.A. will tear your bike apart and it'll crack eventually because it can't okay. sustain the weather. Really? And okay. the aluminum is too fragile. So uh, aluminum too, too fragile. So brittle. we yep, yep. ended up with a steel-framed, leather-bound bicycle. Really? It was beautiful. It's the first bike we did, and we called it the Garrison. Was it as pretty as the bamboo bikes? Those were quite pretty. It was, yeah. It was really? there. And so what happened was What was that, it called? It was called the Garrison. When did you, oh, <laughs> you come out with it? It was 2016. It was the Garrison. Oh, recently. And so it, it was uh, our first bike. We made one. And so oh. what we did was, before we did an inventory, this was a smart smart move. Before we made thousands of these bikes, we took them to the bike shops around to see what the response was going to be. Yes. And to see if we can, you know, rally any pre-orders or whatever. What did and, it weigh, by the way? Huh? What did it weigh? I would say it weighed about 28 to 30 pounds. So not light. It wasn't light at all. And yeah. how many gear speed? It was single speed. No, sh- really? It was, it was single speed. But it did have, it did freewheel, that is. It, it had freewheel, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so it was just a beautiful bike. It was engineered by some of the greatest, like... Uh, not the greatest, but Master Tech. So it was, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was great. It was up there. And we sold approximately one. Zero. Zero. Ooh. We sold none of these bikes. It was my biggest failure. No interest? We, we, no. What it was is that we talked to a lot of these cyclists who we were targeting. And we yeah. talked to a lot of them. Oh, this and is great. What they told us was that they feared three things. One, the leather. Oh, yeah. Because you're in Boston. Yeah. You leave it outside, the it leather's going to crack. It rains. Yeah. It's going to tear up. We spend three grand on this bike, and I got to go with the leather fixed. 
you're a new company. Where am I going to get the oh, leather? Was fixed? that the price point, by the way? Huh? Was that yeah? The it was price three thousand. Yeah. So and, and, and so 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 the leather was a problem. Yeah, that that's, <laughs> that would be an issue. The leather was a problem. Secondly, we weren't established enough. Yeah. To where they can trust the customer yeah, sure. service was going to be there. Right. If I, not, if I need to bring this bike in or get a new one or exchange it or whatever, right. what bike shop is going to support this brand? Because if I take it back to a bike shop that doesn't know who you are, they're just going to try to sell me another bike. Though it did have pretty standard parts. You it had standard they, parts. They were not unusual hubs or unusual mm, spokes yeah, or it anything was, else. It was all, you know. Mark, it, you still with us, by the way? I am. You're not babbling like usual, but okay, good. <laughs> and, and and a third problem I'm actually, is I'm actually uh, uh, listening carefully. I think this is uh, this is great stuff. So. Keep going. And, keep and, going. and a third problem is customization. They wanted it. They customized? wanted customization. Like they wanted they wanted to be able to um, change the colors. Yeah. They also wanted to have a various degree of sizes. Oh, of course. You know, of lengths because some guys are shorter than other right. guys. For 3000 you deserve to For 3000 you deserve to, yeah, to almost fit, what, you know, to, to fit what you need to. Yeah. And I basically Marks said, would be large, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark. Right, well, we'll call it 58s for you, Mark. We got you. And so, and, and so, so basically the next set of bikes that sorry, we did yeah. came in these great, this is the ones that are on our website now. I'm sorry, crafts. let me interrupt you. So you're telling me that you, instead of going... So I work in a glass tower, so yes. there's no reality here. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the reality is quite different. Yes. You're suggesting that instead of going door to door and saying, we're thinking we're a new bike company and we're thinking of designing a bike, it will cost $3,000, it will be made of steel, it will have leather handlebars, and waiting to see what people say, you said, oh, screw that, I'll, st- I'll drop that step, I'll, I'll sink the money in now. And make one. And make a $10,000 bike for 10000 bucks or fifteen or 20000 mm-hmm. I will make a prototype and see how they react. Wouldn't it be have been more efficient to kind of show them a picture of a bike and say, would you buy this bike for 3000 bucks with leather? The problem with transportation and things like that is that pictures don't do it justice. Mm. People like to see it and touch it, which is why bike sales is very difficult for oh. non-standard bikes because every bike I've sold has been related to someone actually seeing and touching one on the street. To a bicycle mechanic having one in a shop having one that's they could see the quality because you can't see a see quality anymore abstract because, away from that how many other products again for the one listener uh, how many other product products is that true of is that true of most products is it true it's, of clothing? it's, it's, it's is it true, true it's true now because of the amazon it's the amazon debacle like people see great pictures they see great specs they have great specs people can sell you whatever that's not no longer exist in this world, but when they get it in their real life, it doesn't look the same. And the Amazon debacle is the fact that we all think we're going to get something useful from Amazon and we end up returning it. We end up returning it. It's kind of like the clothes we buy. They uh, don't look the same at all as to what these right. pictures, because they were put on a model. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So to me, apparel is a different category. Like mm-hmm. I can't shop for shoes online. I yes. can't shop for clothes online. And I've tried that and didn't work super well. But like everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Like furniture exactly. or yeah. food or mm-hmm. like a million things that I buy on Amazon exactly. all the time are fine to buy online. So less of a debacle there. Yeah, so you're yeah. saying a bike is apparel? Exactly. It's like bike is more apparel. It's kind of like cars. You want to know how comfortable you are on it. You want to know what what your posture is going to be like. You want to know what the quality is and how you feel riding it because most people who spend that kind of money care about This is why things. Tesla then has um, has showrooms such as they are. In, because they're brand experiences, the com- right. yes. So if you had simply read the paper that there's a cool thing called a Tesla mm-hmm. and the only way to order it was online and you'd never see one, you're saying it people wouldn't. 
it, and that's the thing. It's like now you see them on the streets. Now you know a neighbor that has one. Now you've seen the inside of one in the mall. Now you've sat in one, right. not felt pressure to buy one. It's more familiar and more trustworthy. And so that one prototype okay. sells more than okay. a million Facebook ads. So when, when you talk to, did you go to business? Neither of you went to business school. I'm a um, graduate of Wharton. You yet. are, I've heard yes. of that place. Yeah. So do somewhere. They, do they talk about <laughs> market, when they talk about market studies, do they get into this no, at all? No, they don't. Because, because the, and it's the same theory that ruins a lot of businesses. Because they do this market research. Market and, research, and, and yeah, yeah. They, they do market research, and market research will tell me that all the research I did to build a prototype is enough for me to go out and raise capital and, and build a thousand of these things and then put them all out on the market. But right. me building a thousand of these things at what, a million bucks, you know, and that would have been the cost of this, but that would have been the cost of my failure. So is my failure worth a million? Is my failure worth 10 grand? Or is it worth knowing? Because what happened after that is that I led me to a product that was, that was easier. Yeah, so done. yeah, go, go forward. So you show this, you have so, so, one so, so, bike. So, 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 For 20,000 bucks, you have one bike, and nobody says they're interested. Nobody says now they're interested, what? but then I go and I create two more bikes. Oh, really? Steel frame, still, variety of colors, and there's a step-over version, which is accessible yeah. to people. Yeah. Who, then there's a one with and a yeah, high And it doesn't bar. look girly, so men and, will buy it. And, and so, yeah, so both genders buy both bikes, yeah. and they okay. come in a variety of sizes. I got these bikes done, and these bikes took off. Oh, really? Yes. Well, wait, a minute, wait a minute. So let's, let's uh, dissect that. Um, when you say, so did you just do one at a time or you didn't, you didn't no. make 100,000? I didn't right? make 100,000 of these. What I did was I took these two bikes to a couple of shows. And how many did you have made? I had um, 10 made, but it cost me less to make those 10 than it did to make that one leather bike. Is it fair to ask you, again, for the one yeah, listener who cares, um, how much did it cost? And you can say you're not yeah, going to answer this. To make the one bike that failed entirely, was that twenty thousand? Mm, There's about fifteen, yeah. Okay, and to make the ten would have run about a hundred, uh, probably seventy-five. No. More? No. no. He said it was the same cost as doing the is doing prototype one. How is that possible? Oh, really? Because 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 we was we found a. <laughs> oh, you were listening. I, yeah, I was but, not. But, I was thinking ahead. Because we learned something about the framework. We learned something about where these frames were manufactured. We learned something about the parts oh. and everything else. And so instead of us going third party for most of these things to get in the markup, we went factory direct for the frames. We found a frame maker over in Taiwan. We found a person who could do um, other things in terms of design. And we extrapolated that to, to what was good for the market. So when we made these these bikes... We had them in various colors, so when we showed them to people at, at these oh, bi at the bike that show, helps, yeah. at the bike show, people yeah. were in love, and uh, we found a great price point, which was instead was of three thousand, it was six ninety nine. Oh, that's very different. Perfect. So at six hundred ninety nine, now you're a little bit better than the Walmart. Were bikes. they still thirty, sort of forty, thirty five pound bikes? Yeah, no, these were like a little less. These are now twenty three to twenty six pounds. Oh, very different. That you can actually pick up and get into. An you can elevator. actually exactly, yeah. which is what a yeah. lot of our. Um, bigger um, uh, buying demographic wanted. They wanted a bike they can carry up the stairs. And no leather. And no leather. <laughs> no leather, but they wanted a leather. Steel like, still frame, wanted the beautiful Steel frame. Thing. Steel frame. Steel frame. We had these beautiful handlebars. If you go and look, they're called the craps. And you spell um, that? C-R-A-P-S? Uh, C-R-A-F-T-S, yes. Crafts. Crafts. After William and Eleanor Craft, and I'll tell you their story, too. Okay. 
in a moment. But basically, these that bikes, was what the bike line was called. This is what the, these, these two bikes are called, the Crafts. And then we also made a cargo bike, which has the big box oh, in the really? front. Oh, really? Oh, the fact you have a picture of that on your yes. website. Yes. Yeah, big box in the front with two wheels on each side and one wheel in the back. Now you were not the so-called innovators on that because I've seen those. I no, assume they're not we from weren't. you because you see them downtown Boston. Because those innovations require a little bit more capital. Yeah, but yeah. those were our revenue generators. Really? And so let me, let's there, go back to your story. So the initial story yes. was to try to uh, employ um, women who had previously been incarcerated. Yes. So that's and, his mission. Yes. Um, okay. His mission was to do that and then mission. leverage the bike as the vehicle, if you'll forgive the, uh, the, mm. the pun. Are you right. patting yourself on the back? Good one. The vehicle yeah, change. <laughs> oh, good. Don't hurt your arm, Mark. So our uh, yeah. But well, wait a minute. Well, how do we get the, the phone to use both arms? Oh, so wait a minute. How do we get the? How, we're still trying to figure out how the the previously incarcerated women are doing anything because unless they're running over to Taiwan to build this for you. No, the the bikes aren't built in Taiwan. The only thing we get from Taiwan are the frames. So they're assembled here. They're still assembled here. So it's like a parts assembly thing. It's like a car. You get a chassis from one place and wheels from somewhere else, but someone has to put it together and make it. Where'd you get the wheels, by the way? Huh? Where'd you get the wheels? Uh, thick they, slick. Where? They're thick slick wheels from. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, are they previously, are they um, laced up and everything? That is, the uh, the spokes are in and everything or no? No, no. We have to do a lot of hand building on these oh, bikes. No shit. Because oh, that's great. Because what, what we yeah. found out with the first bike was that it's very expensive to Painful do it. Painful manual dexterity. Yes, it's very expensive right. to do it the other way. Yeah, but if you're going to pay that money, it's better to pay it in labor cost. Oh, that's interesting. Than to pay it in here. So when you get a final, final product from us, so you're telling me it's cheaper on a wheel to buy the obviously you know, the rim you're buying, the yeah. hub you're buying, yes. and you're buying the spokes and you're you're lacing them up. Not lacing, I forget the expression, but it is yeah, lacing. Yeah, it's, it's, yes, yeah. So, so you're, you're threading, and so threading, it's, it's, threading, but yeah. basically yeah. what that does is gives your workers also experience. Oh, for sure, they can true wheels now. They, they can true wheels. That's become a big master, deal. Master mechanics. There's oh, also that's the bottom important. brackets and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because where we are now is ah. that we are uh, taking those same aspects and while we're building our electric bike. But I'll tell you how we got there. Oh, um, so anyway, so you came up with this one thing that didn't sell at all. And then mm -hmm. you went and made a bunch of these crafts. Yes. And they sold like hotcakes. They sold like hotcakes. We how many a, did you sell? We sold about 80 within two months. And are you still and, doing and, those? Yeah, and we're still doing those. But what happened was that the tariffs set in and there's no more profit margin in that. But between that time, no. we were in uh, Bloomberg Magazine in October on October yeah. 11, 2017. Yeah. And that gave us this worldwide attention. <laughs> so we started making bikes to ship across the world. And then we found out logistic issues. And because when you the longer you ship them, the more this cardboard box starts tearing apart. And is that it? why does that matter? And because the person pulls out the bike and is scratched up now. No. <laughs> really? So we had to really configure that. But then also on a $600 bike with 30% uh, tariff on these things, we that was... When did that tariff kick in? The tariff started kicking in in like January of... of uh, no. There was a tariff on um, steel and aluminum products. Really? Raw, raw materials last year, but what happened was that they pre-priced it in. Was that summer. a Trump thing or from It's before? a Trump thing because in 2017, they started pricing it in, oh. expecting it to come and hit the market. But when the time hit the market, it had already been priced in. And you don't have the market. You didn't have the, I didn't have the margin to actually sustain that. So, so what was the margin before the tariff? And then the margin the before tariff. the tariff was about 40%. Uh -huh. The margin post-tariff was like 6% oh. because what happened yeah. was- The bamboo bike is starting to look good again. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's no tariff on bamboo. There's, there's no tariff on bamboo. But, but what happens is that even American suppliers were getting their raw materials from China. Oh. So my sources of materials yeah. were going up 
even just, though I was. Uh, so just out of curiosity, for those of us who know yeah. nothing about tariffs um, or very little, when there's a steel tariff, is it on raw steel only, or is it on everything made from steel overseas? Um, what happens that is work? that overseas they do a lot of our recycling, and they ship it back here as raw materials. Like they take all our cans and turn it back into aluminum or steel or whatever. In ingots or whatever they're called. Ingots or whatever, and they send it back over here, and people take that and melt it down and turn it into other products. But you, and the, so there's a tariff on that. Mm -hmm. So, but you were buying frames. Obviously, the tariff then, applied. Yeah, the tariff, tariff applied to me, but I bought the frames way before. I took our first profits, and I bought the tariffs, bought the frames before the tariff set in. Something I, slow. So then what? Then, oh, but you're saying future. And, and, but future but, but what happens that I did not buy wheels, oh. cranks, handlebars, seat posts, oh. all those other things, you know, forks. And, and, and those finished products. And those finished well. products had tariffs on them. So if the cost of a set of wheels goes from 60 bucks to 112 and there's, there's not sufficient sourcing here in the States And there's or not Canada. sufficient sourcing because what happens is that or all Mexico. the bigger companies oh. end up acquiring all of those things at, at a cost so they oh. can keep maintain their inventories at Walmarts and Targets and those places. So you're not a big fan of tariffs. So I'm not a huge fan of tariffs. So what happened was that we went to... Um, fascinating. We went to electric bikes. Why? Because it made more margin. not only that, but back to the beginning, <laughs> there are not many mechanics who can repair... Oh, I bet electric right. bikes at this point right those motors and engines that go to the mid motors it takes a special certification for that and so we're we're basically gearing up to become a service oh. hub for bosch do you have a sound effect like shaboom on the pun yes <laughs> sorry she, she fell asleep <laughs> no I, I guess i'm just it seems like uh in your first bike you were able to drop the price significantly in your mm -hmm. next version um but then that er significantly eroded margins with the tariff mm -hmm. um, and now you're you've changed or we're talking about the electric bikes I think I've talked to you about like a motorcycle yes as well <laughs> so it seems to me like you're sort of almost searching or have searched for what makes us special and different versus you're other pivoting. Oh, well, it, it's a pivot but yeah. what happens is that um, this is the beautiful thing about the company and how it's been going and growing yeah. is that the more notoriety the more brand identity we have so now we have this brand identity to where the big boys know us and they love us and they want to, and we've had acquisition talks and things like that. Big boys being like Trek and okay. those kind of brands. Yeah. Got it. And so what it is, is that well, how um, many bikes have you sold? Uh, quite a few. <laughs> oh, thousands, <laughs> tens of no, thousands. No, no, no. Tens of thousands. We don't hundreds, no, hundreds, hundreds, but we, but we, so you've, you've sold enough and there's been enough press that you've been noticed. Yes. And what is it that makes you interesting? It's the social mission. It's who we hire, who we do, and our no. and the market that we've um, sort of captured. Really? Because our market that we captured is, has been the ignored market. Um, if you look at cyclists in general, there's not a lot of marketing towards women. There's not a lot of marketing towards people of color. There's not a lot of market towards the inner cities. But these is, prices yeah. don't, uh, so if I'm not mistaken, for sure the prices, you're, the 699 is not marketed to the inner city. Yeah, it is. No. Those same people that buy $700 Jordans and have closets of them, who, who buy everything else, they Got love it. buying the spikes. They buy a $75 sweatshirt for me. So that reminds me. My, ab my abolitionist sweatshirt is like one of my biggest sellers, and it's 75 bucks a pop, and I can't keep it in the stores. Oh, no shit. In the market. But what happens is that people... It sounds like an expensive bike, though, to but, 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 but what happens is yeah. that people forget that African Americans and people of color do spend money. Like, for instance, I don't know if you guys remember this, but back in the 90s, there was a group of, there was a clothing brand 
uh, Fubu, you know, Damon John, yeah. who's on Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. All of his stuff was seven hundred dollar jeans and two hundred dollar sweatshirts, and everyone thought he was crazy, but everyone bought them because the price adds value, and the value adds substance, and people who want to buy things of substance. Mm, sounds and like so, also politics. The mission, mission of that, you know, for us, by us. Exactly, which, and which was very. See, I, I know this stuff. I might be a yes six foot tall white guy, but I, I know this stuff, and, and there was. You know, a huge appeal. You know, uh, of uh, you know within the community of, of supporting someone that came from the community mm-hmm. and not having some global brand. You know, tell them what they should be wearing and doing. And, and this is where, and this is because even now, I'm not to cut you off. Sorry, but even oh, now, there, there's, no, there's oh, another no, brand. Susan's got something witty to say, but we're and, not and, there and, yet. And, and there's another brand of bikes called uh, SE bikes, and these SE, are those yeah, big wheel it. bikes that they do for a thing oh. called bike life. Not, not the yep. fat, not the yeah, super and, and, and fat. And so, yeah, and so the other younger kids in the inner city are buying these $600 oh. bicycles for Those bike cool, life. And they're, they're, yeah. they're buying cool and they're popping wheelies and swerving oh. and doing everything else. But people didn't think that was a viable market either. But now they discovered that it is. Mm. because the, Where does quality play into this? I'm sorry, Susan, no, no, before it, we go down too many sorry. roads, she's going to yeah, say Yeah, so I have two, two thoughts. One is I remember when Mac came out as a makeup brand, yes. uh, as the yes. first um, makeup a cosmetics company that was geared toward not just white ladies. Yes. Oh, really? And they've that. blown oh. up, mm-hmm. right? They're doing because very well. of like blown up good. Yeah, in a, in a positive yeah, very, way. A lot of stories. Um, but then also, I was talking to a CTO of a major running app yesterday, mm-hmm. and um, it's like a, a free app Talk that they have. Nike, like for example. Yeah. Well, yeah, like like Nike. like that, like, like um, Nike. You know, uh, and so it was before they were like acquired. Um, by a, a product company like Reebok or Nike or whatever. Yeah. But um, basically, they they learned um, that they had they had built this like uh, user base of customers, and how they made most of their m- margins was on the products. People wanted yes. to buy the branded sweatshirts and yes. shirts and that sort of thing. And so it sounds very similar. To okay, like very, very much so. Point. Yes, I'm missing your point. No, no, no. So so what it is yeah. is that she's talking about a culture. Ah. We, we've created a culture. Like if you look at our bikes, they have the word abolitionist on it. Oh, they do. Yes, but That's you look cool. at our sweatshirts; they also have the word "abolitionist" on it, and people buy this stuff for not only themselves, their kids. Where and does that else. come? Where does that play out in um, going back to the Wharton days? Mm-hmm. Where does that, and I guess market <laughs> research, where does the branding play out? Does it is that on your first uh, idea number one or idea number two? It's or idea is number seven hundred. Oh, okay. It's the it happenstance. Okay, I'm with you. So to me, is what you're saying is we made these bikes. We had an idea, mm-hmm. a mission, which is a good thing yeah. to have. We made the bikes. The first one was not accepted. Mm-hmm. Made other ones that was accepted. And then we started making modifications, yes. some, some minor pivots, including here's some really cool branding. Yeah. And, and it's this conversation you're talking about. Because if you're having a one-way conversation, it's different. But we've been listening. We've well, been you, noticing yeah, what you've you been just, seeing. Yeah, what people bought. Yeah. And the market's been listening, too. It sounds like you've got market acceptance for the brand. Yes. The brand identity and the products within that. So it's, it's almost flipped. In, 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 in a exactly. Where does so, quality play into any of this? Because if it's bad quality, it doesn't stand. But is it always so – is quality – so stepping back from that, because yeah. – mm-hmm. um, because um, yeah. is it a kickstand or sorry. <laughs> do you always have to have quality? Is quality? I mean, because there's stuff yeah, that we yeah, buy. Quality is really important because what for it is, every, is that, but it can't be for every company because there's stuff we're all. Willing it's to how buy. you define it. It depends, it depends, it depends, it depends on it, well, yeah. for me. For whatever? me, as yeah, a new company hard, and kind of my pressure, and I don't want to get too deep into those other conversations. Is that which 
I can't have a low quality product because a low quality product is sort of expected. It's expected that I would bring out a product from China, stamp it with my name on it, and keep it moving. Can anyone have a low quality product? Yeah, anyone can. By design? By design, yes. But the problem to is. To meet the price point. To meet a price point. However, I so can't have yeah. a product that is shabby because I feel like I would only get one shot to How succeed. How about Costco? Hmm? Kirkland brand at Costco, yes. which strikes me as above average, reasonably above average quality, but not of infinite quality. Mm -hmm. How much work goes into that decision? Because what it is is that you have to make sure your brand identity sustains how you want to represent it. Because, like for instance, the sweatshirts that we have, we actually, when American Apparel went down, we actually had to go and search for another replacement. They were a good supplier. They were a great supplier, but we had to find another American supplier. Made. Yes. Yeah. And so I had to find another American-made supplier, and we ended up with a uh, company out of New York mm. that makes all of our sweatshirts. We have heavy-duty, tri-blend, eco-friendly sweatshirts now instead of what we had before. But when customers wear them and they see them and they say, hey, this is a company that does this, why, and this guy here, here he is, you know, people seem to get more excited about it. Would there ever be a product it? where you could you, – so a quality decision, you should always have as much quality as you can – Afford. Get afford. Afford. <laughs> right. That's it. That's mm -hmm. okay. So we talked we saw a company the other day at Boston Harbor Angels which is coming out with a whiskey that is of I mean it's high quality, but it's it's directed to a price point. Mm -hmm. And if it's directed to a price point, it strikes me that it's not gonna have the complexity of a mm -hmm. you know, a good thousand dollar bottle of uh bourbon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they should go into well, Mezcal. That, 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 that seems that, to be trendy. Compared very quickly. Into what? Mezcal. Oh, I love Mezcal. Yeah, the one yeah. that gets prepared very quickly. Sorry. So, oh, say, oh, say, I'm sorry, Mark. We were talking about Mezcal. Say it again. No, uh, well, Mezcal is a, a worthy topic. <laughs> <laughs> it is. There was a localish uh, place that we actually had at the Connected Things conference last year. Oh, no. Oh, Mark, are you on the MIT Enterprise Forum board, by the way? I, I am actually proudly we, serving on the board. We forgot board to ask there. that. Okay, good. Thank you. Keep uh, going. But we had, at the end, we had a, a local vendor that their claim to fame was uh, the batches are prepared quickly. They don't age for months. They age for, you know, days. That sounds rough, literally. And, and they, they, It tasted great. Really? And, and whatever it is they did. This is from a guy who doesn't drink, it. no. They yeah. pour it into a After tree stump. That was that true? Wait, oh. Yeah. And let, let me tell you, those... And, and, no. and the blindness seemed to stop after a few months. <laughs> wow, that's, that's interesting. And, and let me tell you another story about quality. Good, yeah, quality. Our important. first few bikes that went out had to be assembled at bike shops, and some of these bike shops were in places like Austin, Texas, and Florida, and there's a couple I, of places. But ooh. I would say I got a call from four of those bike shops about the quality oh. of the parts we put in that bike and they were really excited. Because they want to know who your Because they want to know who we are and what brand would actually spend the time to spend 15 bucks on a crank versus the $5 crank. And to me what that meant was that you selected a supplier because you didn't make no, the crank. No, we selected a master technician who knows exactly which crank to put in here that is of quality and of cost because we but need to be able to supplier, supply. that's a supplier, is it not? Yeah, yeah, but the thing is those, those suppliers yeah. aren't necessarily the creators and manufacturers of those things. So we had to go back to the manufacturers because some, because what's, oh. what, what crapped us last time is that suppliers were charging margin on stuff yeah. they were getting from manufacturers. Yeah, yeah I mean. So it, we had to go back to the local manufacturers. Yeah. For instance, Crane yeah. Creek is a 
brand that makes items directly, but they're in North Carolina. So instead of me going to a company that has all the parts, I went back to Cream oh. Creek so that I won't suffer the margin of the 30% markup or whatever in between, but I'd have someone who knows that let's go get a Crane Creek part instead of yeah. the cheap one they have on the swims. So it seems like these days, and just jumping out of bikes into like all of yeah. information, like we just have, we're inundated with data that the yeah. the real value you deliver is the filtering. And it sounds like that's what you had your technician yes. do. Like this is a specific product you, or yes. part you need. Yes. Now we'll go get it. Yeah. yeah, because what it is is that this is a conversation that you have with the market because now my market was different. Now my market was bike shops. Now my market was people who rode it true. next to the other true two hundred dollar bikes true. they get they get next to Amazon. So a guy who rides a two hundred dollar bike that he bought off Amazon versus next to one of mine, what is the difference? Oh wow, this rides smoother. This is much true. better looking. This has you know, these handlebars are like amazing looking. You know, that's the difference. And uh-huh. that's what gives you the long term brand sort of um, Loyalty. Interesting. And so now that we have uh, this traction and we had to go through Mass Challenge because of this, our next bike is going to be something amazing. We actually partnered with a company, I can't mention their name, but um, we're taking the communications that you find in a police car mm-hmm. and we're putting them on a bicycle. And what so that means that a bicycle cop can, oh, can okay. run license plates, yep. he can look oh. for IDs, he can summon EMTs. Would it also be useful to regular consumers or not? Regular consumers will, will have a well, version as well. So that means they can talk while they're riding. Not talk it's while they're riding. IOT bike, finally. Oh, it, no, it's, Mark. It's, 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 an I, it's, it's definitely an IOT bike. Really? And so, what would the consumer do with that communicate, those communications? Why not while, 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 not, why well, not the, while riding? The, what, what, you, what you need while riding are several things that okay. we're finding out that people get from their apps. But... The attachment and connection to the bike to the phone has been kind of problematic for a lot of people. They just want to hit a button and go. So things like heart rate, things like uh, calorie burning, things like speed, things like battery life. But why not communications? And but communications in terms of being able to dialogue with someone with a FaceTime camera, those kind of things. You don't want to. That's not something you don't want to do. We can, but that's going to take a couple of years. But the thing is, the cost of that bike and putting that bike together in terms, this is what goes back to the garrison, um, in terms of how much it costs us per unit to make one of these bikes uh, is not far trivial. off from a motorcycle. How about a holographic heads up display? The other aspect that's positive about connecting the bike is tracking where the hell it is. Exactly. So you've, you've got a security aspect of it, as well as, you know, if you're on a long, long bike ride, uh, your, your friends and family can know where you are. Uh, or how you're doing in the road race, or you know, you can look at it from a, a, a bunch of very interesting hmm. and, and positive aspects, and then you can track your performance. And, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of interesting attributes, and, and, and a lot and a lot of seniors love this idea of the IoT bike because they want to make sure they have a healthy sort of regiment, yeah, and their families idea. also want to know if hey, if Bob's out there doing a a 10 mile bike ride let's He's make sure bob Bob's doesn't alive. let's make sure bob doesn't conk out at mile seven and so right. what are you doing with your old product lines are they still around or they're no? still around they're still for sale they're on the okay. website now we still have those we're going and it's been great and the idea during during the capital race is to create the brand experience because now that's what customers want they want that thing that you saw in, D- in detroit with chinola they want the reebok store they want the place where they can go and touch it but also be immersed in the brand with all this history of 1854 and oh. all this identity of framingham and all everything else so we're trying to create this within the building make framingham great again 
We could do oh, that, yeah. but bring, bring, <laughs> bring frames back to framing. Him. <laughs> bring frames back to framing him. That's that, that's just kind of awesome. And so and so we we're, we're working with architects and things like that right now. We have raised a little bit of capital. We're still looking for a little bit more. But congratulations. Thank that's you, awesome. thank you. It's, it's 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 it was a and it's this crazy thing where it's another I, conversation. When I, was, when I was asking for a little bit of money, people blew me off. But when I started asking for a lot more money, oh. people are like. Wait, what are you talking about? Why do you need so much money? You tell them, and they're like, "Oh, okay, now I'm interested." Because it's now worth their time, and they figure the same amount of time you put into this. Just out of curiosity, without getting into any details, because it's inappropriate for the podcast, do, do, do they raise their their, their ears uh, perk up when they, you go above seven figures? Uh, yes. Okay, but not to uh, eight figures. Like a well, the capital raise has been eight figures so far. All right. Okay. Yeah. So because we're I've we're always ne- said it's much easier to raise a lot of money than it is to raise like fifty k. Exactly. It is. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and and you know and the thing is is that now we have so much traction, so much attention. Ha, no pun intended. Ha, 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 yes. Ha. <laughs> and and we're we're kind of like at a point where people are expecting more from us. I mean, I've turned down interviews with. Um, national papers magazines and everyone else just for this podcast i i don't blame you just, just for this podcast because what i want to show them is the actual <laughs> facility yeah. i want to walk them through the facility where these women are working and now living and so this is all still possible and doable but the idea of 1854 being a company that's about to do this that is doing okay. this huh. It's very attractive to a lot of people. And Did like, you ever talk to the Dave's Bread folks, or you just read the package? I read the package, but Dave's Which Bread is, is, is amazing. There's another, and there's another one that actually I love to death. It's called Homeboys Industries. Where, what do they oh, do? I know that one. They're, 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 in they're, they're in, out in L.A. They're amazing. What they do they, they sell? take guys. They're just a bakery. Oh, same idea. It, it, same idea, but they're, they're they, they they're get not guys, in Costco yet. They're not in Costco yet, but they get guys right out of prison. I oh, mean, really? like less than 48 hours after. The, the, the uniform like, are t- t- taken off, and they put them in this bakery. Is the quality as good as uh, Dave's? Yeah, which the quality is, is great. Good. But the better aspect yeah, is yeah, that they have a less than 5% recidivism rate uh, for their okay. employees. The that, uh, there's a priest involved. Yeah, there's a priest involved, yes. yes. Like Latin gangs. Latin gangs uh, and from various <laughs> gangs and everyone else. But those guys do not go back to jail. Okay. And just like I want to make sure that the people I work for me don't go back to poverty. Yeah. That's yeah. my entire mission. Great. Everything that I do has to make sure that they do not go back to poverty. And if we end up selling more sweatshirts and having bikes as just trinkets, you know, from here on out, I will do that just to make sure they don't go back to poverty. But it's this pivot thing and this failure that led us there because I don't think that if the garrison had not failed, if the tariffs had not come in and crushed my margins, if I had not wanted to get into an accelerator like Mass Challenge where I met Susan and everything else, then where would the company be? So going back to the beginning, going back to the conversation, the pivot is not really, pivots are, in my mind, generally thought of as, uh, as a pejorative term. It's a negative. Mm-hmm. But arguably, if you, once you use the conversation, I think the term is metaphor. Once you use the conversation metaphor, um, we, none of us would ever say that changing the course of a conversation was a negative. It's just the course of a conversation. Conversations yes. evolve. You would then argue that a pivot is simply the natural part of the conversation, not a negative or positive. Or it's just, it depends it's, on the perspective of the person having it. Because if a person having it has an ego, ah. and his ego feels like it's been bruised, 
how do you respond to that? Because some people won't allow their ego to be bruised to have a conversation with someone who's saying you're wrong. It's kind of like a continuing argument with someone oh, yeah, who doesn't want to say, true. who doesn't want to admit fault or doesn't want to admit that they failed. And if someone can tell you that they haven't failed or there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing, then it's their ego in the way. And the market's saying, get out of the way, but it's not saying I'm talking about you, I'm talking about this product that I would want, I mean, I like you enough to give you constructive feedback. And sometimes the market's saying, I like you enough to give you constructive feedback, and sometimes they're not saying anything. It's kind of like if you have a table of goods out there on the sidewalk, are people literally walking past your table? Or are they stopping at your table saying, oh, wow, this is interesting, but you don't have any yellow? Right. That's the conversation you need to respond to. So from an investor's perspective, mm -hmm. the pivot could be a negative unless you had bet on the jockey instead of the horse. Yes. But if you bet on the jockey, you would say, I know they're going to pivot their way through. I'm yes. going to fund that person, yes. not necessarily the specific idea that was pitched. Yes. And that's where a lot of companies go wrong and they fail because the market tells you early on about your product and whether they want to buy your product or your service from you. Right. They hmm. tell you early on, and if, and if it's the jockey doesn't listen to it, to his horse, he, he can have a fast horse, but if he doesn't know, if he's listening to the horse, then he's going to lose the race anyway. So we're, we're run, arguably running out of time because we, no, 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 you're not, no, that's not, <laughs> sorry for you. I'm just, I'm apologizing for starting to so ask something because I, yeah, I mean, I just, it's interesting that the whole uh, building a company is a conversation versus let's talk about failures. This failures, failure in, in a sense is a very loaded question. It has a lot of, uh, cultural meaning um, and like disappointment associated with it. So, I mean, maybe the podcast should be called like shit we learned about. <laughs> oh, because it's less pejorative, less Yeah, negative. versus Dude, saying I've, something's I've, a failure. I've always, said, I've always said that, you know, failure is sort of the, the name and it's kind of uh, uh, clever, but hey. resilience and it's about what you learn. Yeah. yeah. So, one other conversation. I'm sorry, were you? No, that's it. Oh. One other conversation was the conversation with investors because yes. while the product is the product for the marketplace, in your case, the marketplace is bike stores, probably, yes. there's a conversation about the business with investors. Yes. Um, and again, this is not a fundraising thing, and we yeah. don't want to get into that on this damn podcast. Um, but can you talk about how. When we see pitches, we often see the pitch evolves while it's happening if you're not dealing with an, uh, not an imbecile, but somebody who's very yeah. stubborn. Um, can you talk about that conversation? It's a different conversation, but it's very similar. You're marketing a company. Well, um, part of my background is knowing how to tell story. And when you talk to an investor as a pitch, you want them to be the hero of your story. They came in, they saved the day. They can see something you don't see about yourself or your business or where your business needs this or where your business has value. Some investors, yeah. And some investors. Some investors just simply yeah. dump money and they're looking to just give you the money and take Correct. you know, take IP, you know, for oof, years oof, or whatever. Oof, and um oof. but we can talk okay, about that later. Different issue. But um it's this idea of I know who I am and I will succeed whether you give me money or not. Like Correct. I succeeded with nothing. Right. So can you imagine what I will do with this little change you give me? Okay, I've succeeded Correct. with this little change that someone else gave me. Now I'm, now I'm here and I'm looking to succeed with this next level of change. So yeah. that's the, I agree. So you, so there's a class of conversation, mm -hmm. I don't draw this out too long, but there's yeah, a ahead. class of conversation you want to be in. 
Yes. You're not the dumb money conversation, though no. dumb money, that's, that's there's enough yeah. of it that could be good. Yeah. Um, so you're saying there's a type of conversation I want to be in. I don't necessarily want a conversation with an investor who's simply looking for another way to occupy the next 10 years of their life. Yeah. Um, you want one? With, yeah. yeah. I'll look at someone who can solve a problem that I may not know how to solve. Maybe more than capital? Maybe more than capital. Because what it is is that if you're going to call me every two months, I need you to have some kind of other thing I need to be able to bounce off you. Let's talk about some real estate stuff. Let's talk about some IP. Let's talk about manufacturing. Let's talk about um, okay. social social. So a classic angel investor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. making so, 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 sure people who have equity in your company, whether it's for money yeah. or otherwise, are actually pushing the company forward. Exactly. It's, it's, more, it's more of a stakeholder is what's needed more than a shareholder. Because yeah. you see the mission. You see what we're trying to do. And I need to go here, but I can't do this without some help otherwise. I need you to call someone that you may know. Did you find the conversation then changed? That yes. is, did you find that it was a conversation as opposed to your simply saying, this is what I'm gonna pitch and who I'm pitching it to, yeah. and if they don't listen, I'll go to the next person? Or, and, and what sort of changes did you make? What did you change of, your story? What, what, no, what sort of changes I made was like, I'm not looking for people just to give me money. I'm looking for help. Because when you, when you realize you can survive off ramen noodles, yep. yes. there's no steak they can give you Yes. That's going to make you change who you are. And what happened was that I've been through so many battles with nothing that if a guy dangles $4 million in front of me, which has happened, I can say no unless you're bringing me X, Y, and Z. Connect me to your network to help me do X, Y, and Z. Because if, I, because if this company wants to grow and take on Yamaha, if we're going to create a culture that's going to be uh, pivotal to the Harley Davidsons of the world who are getting into electric bikes, if we're going to do against Trek and Specialized, I need to make sure that when we get to this route, you're not asking me why we need to, we need to what, make. What you're not saying, but seems to be implicit in what you are saying, is that this was not your view initially, and that as you reached into that marketplace, that is the marketplace of money, yes. money suppliers, you walked in thinking, I have X to offer, I've succeeded this far on mm -hmm. nothing and on ramen noodles, mm -hmm. what, what do you have for me, I would like X, and they came back and gave you some thoughts, and you th said to yourself, yeah, that would be what I wanted, but now that I look at you and what you're proposing, you're not what I want exactly. so you became just like somebody who's looking for houses realizes yeah geez you know when you really come down to it i don't like fences i don't like pools i don't like this i don't like that as you investigated mm -hmm. that marketplace you made your own decisions and the conversation emerged that exactly way. and, and okay. it changes and it changes because now the pie gets bigger but now your knowledge base and your network Got is it. bigger and now, now your growth path also increases now now your platform so it's beyond the eight-figure deal now now it's how do we as as a yeah, group. As, as a yeah. group, yeah. get to 100 million. Because this group, if it gets to 100 million, everybody eats. But they see us going from here to 100 million if we do X, Got Y, it. and Z. Okay. Because over 10 years, if you can do this, now we're talking. Yeah, it's a question of like bundling services of money tied with capability and connections and exactly. stuff. Or unbundling, which it, both have value. Yeah. And, and then that value is not only created, but it's also brought. But now you're part of the team. But now when they go and tell their grandkids stories about, hey, I gave this kid, who, I gave this guy who just walked in, I gave him some money and we started talking. He, we became cool. But then I did X, Y, and Z. And look, your grandpa is the reason why they're in Singapore. <laughs> you know, so I, what I guess, all, all good. Yeah. Um, I guess what I'm thinking is that what people don't appreciate about fundraising is that you, 
the entrepreneur learn a lot from it. Yes. Because you're often faced with a room of five or ten people asking critical questions that mm-hmm. you maybe should have asked or not asked yourself, yeah. and you learn a lot. And you and you learn more than just that. You're saying, wrap it up. And, We're and, out of here. Yeah. And, and the one thing I'll tell you, too, is it's okay to say, I don't know, and I failed. Susan's call <laughs> telling us our time is up. Thank you, Brando. Thank you so much. Thank you.